<clears throat> so the, um, the thing I want to speak about today that the Lord has prompted my heart about is anxiety. And as I say, Michael, uh, you've probably done about a third of, uh, of my sermon, so you'll get a repeat on that. And maybe that's because the Lord thinks that bit is very important. So he wants to tell you at least twice. Um, the reason I want to speak about anxiety is because when we become anxious, it's something that consumes us. Can you just tweak me down a fraction, please? One, two, three, four, five. The radio one, yeah, that's better. I'm not booming in my own ears now. Um, the problem with anxiety is it becomes all-consuming. And it swells up and takes over our minds and our hearts. And what that does is it actually draws us away from God because anxiety is a lack of trust in God, in effect. Um, we forget that we can trust God. And anxiety we're commanded in that passage that Michael read not to be anxious. So in that sense, anxiety is a sin. And it is therefore something that will come between us and God. But the great thing is that God has provided the means for us to deal with anxiety. And Michael was a demonstration of that. Michael is my visual aid, my beautiful assistant. Come and do a twirl, Michael. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to say was, although through here, I can't go actually through the passage the way the things the Lord has shown me without highlighting how anxiety is a sin. But I don't want anybody to go away and think because they woke up once in the night and felt worried about something and then went peacefully back to sleep that they're sinning. We all have worries, we all have concerns, and the problem is when those become all-consuming and they take over. That's when it takes us away from God. But praise the Lord, he has shown us through his word how we can deal with that. And David um, is a prime example. I'm just going to read Psalm 3. You might want to turn it up if you've got access to a Bible. Not my main passage, but there's a wonderful verse in Psalm 3 for us to get hold of by way of introduction. And David, or this psalm, is about a time when David was under great stress and duress because his son Absalom decided that he wanted to be king was trying to kill David, and David was fleeing for his life. And if there was ever a situation that, in which anxiety was justified, that would have been it. But David writes, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, this is the verse... But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. 
I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. But that verse 3, it's a wonderful verse. When you get the idea of the situation that David was in, fleeing for his life, and he can say to God, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. And you know when we, we get anxious, when we get worried and concerned, you know the body language, oh, it's head down. And what David's saying is, God lifts up his head. That he can look to God and he can see what's going on around him for in the, the way that really matters. And that's with God's eyes, with kingdom eyes. <clears throat> and so as we just take a look at anxiety, I want to take us to a place where we can see some things that we can do when we find that we are anxious so that we might um, be able to walk with the Lord <coughs> all the better. And uh, I've got two passages. Um, the first one was um, the passage that Michael has already read, but I want to read it again and the first few ver- or the few verses before it. So that's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 19. <coughs> and we're starting at 19 because the passage I want, the one Michael read, um, starts with therefore. So we need just to look at the few verses beforehand. So in Matthew 6 and verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then one of the main passages I have, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And we'll read the next verse, which is a, a famous verse about uh, passage about um, anxiety in, in Philippians. But let's just think about this. That passage that I'm interested in, the one that Michael also read, starts with therefore. And there were those three things that we read before we got to the therefore, um, about laying up treasures, about the eye being the lamp of the body, and about not, able, not being able to serve God and money. Now the problem with laying up treasures on the earth, in the world, is that they divert us from God. God will no longer be the centre if we aim to build up treasures in the world. And things that occupy or divert us from God darken our spirits. All that about, um, you know, if your eye is dark and your life is dark, that's about being darkened with respect to God. We can't see him anymore. We don't love him anymore. So things that divert us from God darken our spirits and take us away from him. And then money. Well, that's plain. Money cannot be our master and God be our master. It's one or the other. So money will take us away from God. So those three little things are really saying God must be the centre of our lives. And because of that, therefore, Jesus says, I will tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life. And here he's talking about um, some of the, the basic things of life. But those are just examples of anxiety. There's all sorts of things that could be anxious, make us anxious. David is an example of all sorts of quite severe things that can make us anxious. And we'll think later on about the fact that Paul went through all sorts of situations that means he would justifiably have been anxious. But Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Now I want to say that anxiety and concern are not the same thing. Because we're concerned for something, that's, that isn't being anxious. You know, things we're concerned about, like our food for instance, and the things we need to live, we need to work. Working is not a sign of being anxious. And the example that Jesus gives there is the birds. The birds, God feeds the birds, but the birds have to rush around and be fed and, and find the feed for themselves. There is work to do in obtaining these things, but we are not to allow that to consume us so that we become completely and utterly worried about it. So concern is appropriate, work is appropriate, but anxiety is not what we want. And as we look into that passage, we can see, well, we can some learn some more things about anxiety. First of all, we can see in there 
that it is opposite to trust in God. There's uh, a little piece where Jesus says, uh, If God clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. He's contrasting faith and anxiety, trust and anxiety. If we're anxious, what we're saying is we don't really believe or understand that God can meet the need that we have. And because it's opposite to trusting God, it means we aren't trusting God, and not trusting God is, alas, a sin. Also, anxiety consumes us, as I've already mentioned. It fills our minds. And it causes us, if it's anxiety about these basic needs, it causes us to try to be our own provider. We try and lay up our treasures in the world, and we chase after money so that we can have the things that, that we need. We seek to replace God as being the provider. And that is a sin. Because God, we need to rely upon God. And as Michael noted, or in the John Piper reading, that in that passage, Jesus says three times, it's a command, three times said, we are not to be anxious. And one of the things we need to learn, if we've not already done so, is that when we find commands in the Bible, instructions in the Bible, we are to obey them. Especially when they are direct quotes from the Lord Jesus. And so, if we disobey, if we, if we choose to be anxious, to wallow in our anxieties, then we are not being obedient to God. And that also is a sin. But there's another one in here. In that passage, if you remember, um, Jesus talked about the Gentiles. He said, the Gentiles chase after all of these things. And this word for Gentiles, um, it, well, that's a, a literal translation for um, what the Jews used to call everybody else who wasn't a Jew. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. And a Jew was a person of faith who supposedly trusted God. And what Jesus is saying here is, you can either be of the group that trusts God or the group that do not trust God. The group that belong to God or the group that do not belong to God. And if you run around being anxious for all the things that God can provide for you, you're being just like all those people that don't know God. They run around being anxious for those as well. <clears throat> but for us Christians, <clears throat> if we are not reliant upon God, and we do exactly the same as uh, the NIV calls it, the pagans do, exactly the same as the unbelievers do, our testimony of God is that he cannot provide. Our testimony is that God can't do it. You pagans are doing the right thing. And so we are beginning to tell a lie about God to the people around and about. We aren't testifying to him faithfully and truly. And that also is a sin. God calls us to be different because we know him, we can trust him, we can rely upon him. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Now, at the end of that passage, we get to verse 33. And if you like, this is the antidote to anxiety. And again, Michael referred to it. And that verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things being the things that you need. And we have here, in effect, gone full circle, back round to that therefore at the beginning of the passage. The therefore was referring to the fact that we need to have God at the centre of our lives. And Jesus is here underlining it by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, i.e. God is at the centre of our lives, and then all these things will be added to you. All that you need, God will provide. That is his promise. He will provide, but note, it is conditional. It is conditional on seeking first the kingdom of God. If we do that, we can trust God to provide. Now, just to look a little bit more into that that little verse, notice that it says, seek. And seek is an active thing. It's not passive. This is not calling us to be, as it were, spiritual couch potatoes. It's calling us to actively seek God, to actively understand his mind, to actively participate in the kingdom of God. And then it says, seek first the kingdom of God. And that first means that this seeking of the kingdom of God has to be our priority. It's the first thing we should be doing. It's the main thing we should be doing. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Because if we do, we will begin to think like God. He will teach us. His Holy Spirit will teach us. And we will begin to look at the world like God does. And we will begin to understand and fully appreciate that we can trust him. And that we can be drawn close to him. And in effect, that's one of the ways that we lay up treasures in heaven. By seeking the kingdom of God. And by the actions. Because the way we think leads to our actions. So if we think like pagans, we'll behave like pagans. If we think like people of the kingdom of God, we will behave like people of the kingdom of God. If our thinking, therefore, includes that we can trust God and have faith in him, our behaviour will trust God and have faith in him. (coughs) And then, and only then, do we get to this promise. If we seek, and if it's our first priority, then God says he will provide. I just want to draw out, just as um, do not be anxious was a command, this also is a command. It's a definite instruction. Seek first the kingdom of God. And when we find instructions and commands in the Bible, we need to obey them. It's not necessarily easy. We don't necessarily get it right every time. Sometimes we have to work really hard to be obedient to God. But if we are obedient, then God promises to meet all of our needs. What I want to move on to then is um, Philippians 4. If you'd like to turn to that, please. Philippians chapter 4. 
and uh, we probably need to begin reading at the at verse 4, which is the beginning of a paragraph, in the English at least. Um, but I'm really interested from uh, about halfway through verse 5. <clears throat> so we read, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable, if I can say the word, your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that means making requests, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is Paul. This is Paul's testimony. And I come to that particular passage with a whole load of my own testimonies. Because quite often I've found myself in a place of anxiety. And I've gone to this passage and I've prayed it through just as Paul instructs there. And I've found God has dealt with the things that I've brought to him. Sometimes the next day, sometimes in the following days. And I've always, always, always received that peace from God when I've done that. And sometimes it's been a battle. Quite often, not so much now I'm not at work. Most of my stress and hassle obviously came from work. Quite often we'd be getting ready to go to bed at night, about 11 o'clock, and I'd go, I'd get into my pyjamas, ready to go to bed, and I would know that I could not go to bed and go to sleep until I had dealt with stuff. And I'd then perhaps be up for an hour or an hour and a half, wrestling with whatever it was. And quite frequently, it was anxiety. And quite frequently, it was coming back to this passage <clears throat> to find God's sustenance in it. For me, this is such an important passage for living the Christian life. And I want to look at it in two two stages. I want just to take a quick zoom through it for you to understand it and then I want to look at how to apply it. <coughs> and the first thing I would say that uh, like David, Paul understands anxiety. He has been in all sorts of situations so it's Philippians chapter 4 and uh, uh, verse 4 we're looking at, but we'll start um, halfway through verse 5, the Lord is at hand when, when we get going. Um, Paul has been in all sorts of situations. He's been in prison. He's been in shipwrecks. He's been hungry. He's been beaten. He's been in the middle of riots where people wanted to kill him. He's been persecuted. If Again, like David... If anyone could justifiably be anxious about circumstances, it's Paul. He knows what it's like. But he has a testimony of God that in God's strength he never lost hope. He never lost hope in God. And he never, ever did not see God provide and meet his need. And one of the things to note in this, well, the first thing to note in this passage um, is that little phrase, the Lord is at hand. It means the Lord is near. And when anxiety comes upon us, 
when things get really tough, we can feel desperately alone. What Paul's telling us here is, that might be how we feel, but that isn't the reality. Because God is at hand. God is near. He is with us. He is by us. And that was David's testimony. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're a shield about me all around. The soldier's shield was, I guess, on the left arm if he was right-handed. And it was either a round thing so he could sort of parry uh, sword strokes away or it was a big full-length thing when he was in a shield wall going forward. But it was only in one plane, in one place. David's testimony is, Lord, you are a shield about me, all around me, all over me. So Paul and David know about this. They know that God is near. So if you do wake up in the middle of the night, and you discover an anxiety has crept upon you, or things seem to be getting on top of you, and you feel that you're alone, there's only you in it, remember, that's looking at the world with human eyes. If we look at the world with God's eyes, he is there, he is with us. We are not alone. God is there with us. So I'd ask you to, if that's the only encouragement you take away from today, Take that one away. You are never alone when God is there, even if you think you are. Now, Paul talks about, uh, or gives a command here. He says, do not be anxious about anything. That's the first one. We've already talked about not being anxious. <clears throat> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, prayer and requests, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What he's telling us here is how we need to respond to anxiety. It is to come to God with requests. It is come to God and trust him. It's to come to God and give thanks to him. And if we do that, again a conditional promise, if we do that, then God will meet our need and grant us that peace that we do not have or maybe don't have in that anxiety. Now, Paul's obedience to this command is based on sound fact, not wishful thinking. And he tells us, if you can just look forward in uh, Philippians 4 to verse 19, there's another terrific verse. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply every, every need. And note here it's talking about needs, not wants. And it's talking about the needs that we will have or God knows that we truly have. Because where we've got a mind that isn't aligned with God, there will be things that we want that we think are needs. And God knows what we really need. And he will provide what it is that we really need. It's like a child and a parent. It's like 
faith in Tony Ann. Faith has faith in Tony Ann that she will provide her every need. But there's lots of things faith will ask Tony Ann that she doesn't get because they're wants and she doesn't need them. And God deals with us as a glorious, loving parent in that way. And then, as we make our requests, God keeps his promise. Keeps his promise to to meet the need and to give us peace. And note that this peace that we find is provided by God and not us. It's not about us getting ourselves into some psychological state where we don't worry about it again. We can do all sorts of things that mean that we can be complacent or we ignore it or we deny issues. It's not that kind of peace because that will always come back and bite you and separate you from God. But God is saying, I will give you a peace. And it's a peace that comes from God and from nothing that we do apart from making our requests known to God with thanksgiving. And it's also a peace, note that it says in this passage, that surpasses, uh, surpasses understanding, surpasses all understanding. We don't understand why we've got this peace, but we've got it. We shouldn't have it, but we've got it. Why? Because God has given it to us. The situation has not yet changed. The moment we've finished the prayer, the situation may not have changed. There may still be a big thing. It might seem that the sky is about to fall in on you. And in some situations, that might not be far from the truth. But God grants us a peace. And then he goes to work to deal with the need that we have. But we get that peace while God is working. So immediately the situation might not have changed, but we know now that we can trust God. And we have that peace and calm and quiet quietness of spirit that God will bring. And I have to say, that is my testimony. God does that. Truly, he does that. He does that. And another thing about this, which again is amazing, um, the, the, the verses say, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our hearts and minds, that's the essence of us. That's how we think. That's who we are. And this word guard is about a military force. It's a military force that protects a nation from being invaded. Or a military force that's around a city under siege. And in those circumstances, in both of those circumstances, absolutely nothing gets past that military force. It's a complete and absolute guard. Nothing gets past the guard. And what Paul is telling us that God says he will do is he will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That that peace will keep us close to God, close to Jesus, when, humanly speaking, we would think that that is not possible. But that's the promise. That is the promise. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's, if you like, a little recipe for us to deal with our anxieties, with the stresses and strains that we might come under. And what I've done, you can actually break that down into a few steps to help you go through it. And what I've done is just set those out so you can tuck these in the front of your Bible along with those prayer cards. And when you find a time of anxiety, you can go to that and step through that process just as a reminder. Just as a reminder. And what is that process, as it were? Well, first of all, it's to come back and read this passage in, uh, in Philippians and remind yourself of it. But the first thing we learned about anxiety is that we need to have our minds centred upon God. And therefore, we need to seek first the kingdom. We need to actively do that, to seek first the kingdom. Not just when we're anxious, but at all times, because that's how we grow to be more like Christ. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Derek was talking about us becoming uh, mature to the full manhood of Christ. And this is one of the ways that we do it, by having our minds centred on Jesus Christ. So we need to do that all of the time. And then, also, one of the promises we have, and you can look this verse up in, on your own, but in James 1, uh, James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we are to ask God for it. So in any situation we're at where we need to make decisions and we don't know what to do, we can ask God to give us wisdom. And we can trust him because it's a promise. That little passage says he will do it and it explains he will do it without, uh, without argument. He will give us wisdom in the situations that we're in. So we're able to uh, better understand where we are and what God's view and thought is. But then, because anxiety is a sin, if, we, if we're coming at this verse because we are truly anxious about something, the first thing we need to do is to confess that sin. Because it is a sin. And there is a, a wonderful verse in 1 John 1, 1.9 that I'm going to read out. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that again is a verse I often end up at because it reminds me that first of all Jesus has dealt with all my sin and it's already forgiven and that's why that verse works. All I need to do is confess to acknowledge that I've sinned and call upon God to grant me that forgiveness that is actually already granted. It's really me taking hold of stuff God is handing out. He's holding it out already. We're forgiven and all I've got to do is grasp it again to remind myself that I have been already forgiven. And then it goes on to say he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that cleansing is about walking on from that point 
walking on in a way that honours God. And so I'll call upon the Holy Spirit to come and fill me and help me to do that in that particular situation. So first we seek the kingdom. Then we confess this sin of anxiety. Now, you can come to this process before you get anxious, and that's probably the best way to do it. You can still make your requests known to God with thanksgiving, and he will still grant you that peace. It's just it's much more noticeable when you've come to it in a place of complete and utter turmoil. But you can come to it. So if you have come to it from a place of anxiety, then confess that sin and receive God's forgiveness. Then we need to tell God all about the situation. This is what's going on, God. This is it. This is where I'm at. This is the mess I'm in. And we can be bluntly, brutally honest with God. He already knows it all. He knows more about it than we do. But the benefit of being brutally honest with God about it is for us. It means we know we've told it all. And we know he's dealing with all of it. So we need to tell him about it and then ask him. Ask him to deal with the situation. Sometimes we know what needs to happen. Sometimes we don't. But we can ask God to work in that situation. And there may be another promise that God brings to mind that we need to call upon. And if we do, we do something like, Father, in your word you promised to do whatever it was. Please now fulfil that promise. Please now fulfil that promise. And as we come and make our requests, let's remember that God is concerned about absolutely anything and everything that is of concern to us. It's not when just when somebody's trying to assassinate us, like David. It's not when we're just when we're being beaten up like Paul or shipwrecked like Paul. It's whatever it is that is of concern to us, it is of concern to God. And we can bring it to him in this way. He is concerned about anything and absolutely everything. Now, in my experience, in this process, God will often show me that there's some other sin that I've got involved in all of this. Um, Often, it might be anger or unforgiveness with someone. And then, what we need to do, if he shows us that, is again, confess that and call back on um, 1 John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we need to thank God. Why do we want to thank God? Well, he's God. If for no other reason, we can thank God because he's God. He's the creator, he's the sovereign, he's the loving God. He's holy, he's righteous, he's magnificent. We can thank him for all of that, but we can thank him too for being near at hand. The Lord is near. We can thank him for dealing with the situation. We can thank him for the peace that he is going to give us. And then we need to call upon God to keep his promises. To call upon him to grant the need that we have and grant this peace that he has promised. This peace which surpasses all understanding and which will guide your heart and your mind, or will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. We then need to rest in God. 
We need to submit ourselves to him and allow his peace to guard us. We allow his peace to keep us. And that means when those anxious thoughts bubble up again, we do not cooperate with them. We remember the promises we've called upon. We remember that the Lord is near. We go back and we read uh, Philippians 4, verses 5 to 7 again, knowing that God is fulfilling that promise. And we let our anxious thoughts go. And again, remember, if you feel alone, you're not, because God is near. And his shield guards you. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray and then we'll close.